live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours. Happy Tuesday, November 15th, the year 2022. It is, um, man, it is 51 degrees in Lafayette, 49 degrees in Baton Rouge, but with the cloud cover, and it just feels a heck of a lot colder to me. Uh, but anyway, not a Chamber of Commerce day by any stretch of the imagination. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studio. He's spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons, making sure everything's run in a professional manner. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in the lovely village known as Lake Charles. Uh, we're streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area and you want to put a face to the voice, pop on your television set because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. LSU getting ready for their final home game of this season as UAB comes to town. Brian Kelly said one thing that this team can take and the fans can take away from the Arkansas game is that the team has done the things necessary to make winning a habit. And winning is a habit. Um, And this team has found a way to create winning habits off the field And that contributed to finding a way to win the football game on the field. Without question, without doubt. Um, Tigers had chicken broth on the sidelines, right? That uh, the salt in that helps with hydration, warms you up. Flu has been running around uh, the team. One player we know that battled through the flu without any apparent problems was Harold Perkins. Um, Walter Camp, National Defensive Player of the Week, SEC Defensive player of the week he gets another award he has been tremendous deserves all the accolades and then some and then some um apparently the new nickname out is that harold perkins jr is the tasmanian devil i love that show i love the tasmanian devil under the radar as i mentioned yesterday josh williams what a what a performance he had without him on the offensive side man he was um so effective. Here's Brian Kelly talking about what makes Josh Williams so darn good. I understand the question, but I, but I think it's important that that running backs clearly understand that that if you want to stay on the field, right, you you can't be a miss it. You know, I'm going to miss you, right? You're going to you're going to be on the field less because you can't pass pro. But what I think makes a really good first of all, you've got to want to do it, right? You've got to have the technique, but more importantly, it's the ability to read and recognize defenses. Most backs go what we call coast to coast. They start on one side, and then if their read doesn't show, they have to go all the way across and then read the other side. And that's a lot. 
And so most backs have to be able to do that. And it requires a lot of film study. Coach Wilson has to spend a lot of time with those backs. And they have to watch a lot of film and pick up a lot of different blitzes. And so football intelligence is really important at that position. So in recruiting, we have to make sure that backs have that ability to do it. And, and Josh is one. Josh Williams is one of those. He's physical. He's versatile. Um, low pads, plays low, strong, uh, keeps his legs moving. You, you think you've got him tackling there's three yards or four yards after the contact. He's pretty good. He can pass protect. He catches the ball out of the backfield. He's strong inside. He's strong outside as a runner. Josh Williams has been quite the find as a walk-on. LSU favored over UAB by 14 and a half, 8 o'clock kickoff in Tiger Stadium. The Raging Cajuns um, go on the road for their money game. They go to Florida State to take on the Seminoles. The Seminoles are a 23-and-a-half point favorite in the game. Here's Coach Dez talking about Florida State and what they do well. I mean, they're talented. You know, I mean, it's, it's Florida State, and they've got really good players. You know, in year three, you can see the progress that they've made. The guys are playing the schemes the way they want to play. You know, you go back and watch some of the years past, and they're trying to do the same things. That they just they they're really, I mean, they're fitting the run really well. They're they're playing in the pass game. Their pattern match stuff is really good. You know, they've got guys that can play man, but they don't have to. You know, they will play zone. They match it up pretty good. Um, you can tell they're on the same page. They've got great personnel on the D line at linebacker and in the back end. You know, and offensively, you know, Coach Norvell has always been really good on offense, and he's got the pieces where he wants it. He's got a big outside receiver that's a problem if you try to go one-on-one. Um, up front, they're playing really well this year. You know, they do they run a bunch of gap schemes and things like that that give you trouble. It's hard to pressure those things because you're kind of tracking down on these gap schemes. you got to really play – you got to play sound football against them. They've got backs that that do a great job. Two really good backs. You know, three of them really that play. Um, their quarterback's done a good job. He's made good decisions. He runs the ball well, but he he's a thrower first. You know, but he can run and get him out of trouble. He's a good athlete. So, um, you know, top to bottom, they're talented. That staff, I mean, they've they've won. I mean, you know, they didn't get there by accident. You know, and they're in year three, and they've done a great job of consistently building each year as they've gone and. They kind of got it where they want it right now, and they got their kids believing they're playing really well, and they're playing. One more win, significant for the Ragin' Cajuns. Can they get it done? Well, just take the money and run home and get ready for Texas State and San Marcos, the regular season finale on Saturday, November 26th. Kickoff against the Seminoles in Tallahassee is at 11 o'clock. The Saints are back home. They take on the L.A. Rams this Sunday, Cooper Cup. Out, has to have ankle surgery. He's going to be out for a while. So the Saints catch a break there. Saints are still decimated by injuries. They are low man on the totem pole. It just They are not a good football team. Dennis Allen, what the heck is your message to your team this week? Well, yeah, the message a little bit this week was, was man, let's have fun playing this game. Um but I told the team in there today that the, the message now is, is man, there's got to be a sense of urgency. There's got to be a sense of urgency in everything that we do. We've got to get some things corrected, and there has to be a sense of urgency about doing that. And, and, 
And what we've done to this point has not been good enough. And so if we keep doing the same things and expect it to be different, that's the definition of insanity. So um, we've got to change the way we prepare. We've got to change that we get the way we get ready to play a game. That's coaches, players, that's all of us. Um, you know, because it, it, it hasn't been, you know, up to the standard that we've had here. You know, it certainly has not, without question, without doubt. Uh, so, again, noon kickoff inside Caesars Superdome. Um, we told you yesterday, LSU, Texas A&M will meet at 6 p.m., the regular season finale on November 26th. Um, because of clinching the SEC West, Brian Kelly earned uh, a little bit more than just a win and bragging rights and the boot. I uh, also picked up a $75,000 bonus for clinching the SEC West title. According to Steve Berkowitz of USA Today, Kelly has earned $575,000 in bonuses so far. He earned a half a million for becoming bowl eligible. Bowl eligible. Half a million. He'll earn more if LSU wins the SEC title game or goes to either a New Year's Six Bowl or the playoffs. So uh, the rich keeps getting richer. In women's basketball news, LSU moved up a spot in the AP poll to number 15 after starting the season with three consecutive games scoring over 100 points. Um, next up, Kim Mulkey's Tigers will host their annual field trip game. So all these kids from schools, little kids get to go Wednesday, tomorrow, 11 a.m. against another sacrificial lamb, Houston Christian. Oh, my God. They'll beat them 120 to 10. My goodness gracious. Let's play somebody. Please, 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 please. All right, our guest list today, Matthew Bruni will join us from on Bengal Tiger on three.com. We'll talk more about this LSU football team. I saw one of the, one of my dear friends who's been a long time team doctor, uh, part of the medical staff for LSU football. He said, man, we're, we're just pinching ourselves. Nobody saw this coming. I said, you you're right about that. Nobody, nobody. Uh, Blake Lavelle will join us. We'll take a look uh, back. We'll look ahead. Get his early thoughts on LSU George. I know we're not supposed to do that, but we can do that. The players can't. The coaches can't. But we're fans. Of course we can. Of course we can. And then in hour number two, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us, and we'll talk about the Aints and where they go from here. So, um, ah, this is a bad man. Just like nobody expected the, the LSU to have the season they're having, I never expected the Saints to be like this. Never in my wildest imaginations. I never did. Um, your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps out around the house, right? It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But did you know that can also play the game? Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, about everywhere you go. Tigers, when we return here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Fighting Tigers heading to the Georgia Dome or whatever you call it 
for the SEC championship game the first Saturday in December. We'll be right back. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. 17 minutes after the hour on a cold, chilly, damp, dreary looking, but we're, we're still smiling. Tuesday, November 15th, Matthew Bruni is why we're smiling, because... Um, Matthew covers LSU for the Bengal Tiger on three. And he joins us now to talk all things LSU. Matthew, what's happening, buddy? How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Um, you know, I got a little sick last week, but feeling a lot better now. The voice might be a little raspy, but um, I'm doing doing well, feeling better. But, so did you have some of that chicken broth or something like that? I mean, flu's running all over I- the place. Yeah, yeah, they they didn't drop by my my place and drop any off before the game, but yeah, it's I I felt uh, me and Harold Perkins were both uh were both sick on Saturday and we both you know fought through it. It's the little things. I, I mean, it really, I've been on those sidelines for decades, decades in the hottest of heat and the coldest of cold. LSU's never done that before, and it just makes so much sense this i mean i talked to a doctor today he said things are really different out there now jordy and i went yeah it looks like they're different for the better it's like a it's like a group that leaves no stone unturned and it's it's evident uh throughout that building yeah i mean that that game was obviously it was such a tough situation to go into after the the alabama game where you're just like on an emotional high and no matter how much you as a team drill into your head next game, next game, next game. It, it, it's going to be tough. Like just human nature makes it tough. So yeah, though the elements obviously were a challenge. They had coffee, they had hot chocolate, they had chicken broth. Uh, they were, they went to that game prepared. Um, albeit, you know, they're early in the game, obviously, or I mean, throughout the entire game struggled with Arkansas, but they got it done on the road. That's all that matters. Two things I've always argued, Matthew, forever and a day, and no one will listen to me. The Super Bowl ought to be on a Saturday, not a Sunday, and LSU should have their bye week after the Alabama game, not before, for a variety of reasons. Before the Alabama, it's too much of a buildup, and a lot of times LSU plays the game before they actually play the game. And then if it's after... If it, you know, right after you're like, you're beat up, you're bruised, you're, you're emotionally flat. Uh, it's just hard. So I've always said it, LSU, please listen to me. Have your bye week after the Alabama game, not before it. Um, offense struggled. A lot of that is due to Arkansas has got a pretty good team. They scheme pretty well. Uh, but LSU's offensive line did not protect. Jaden Daniels did not get rid of the ball quickly. Is this an area of concern for you? Um, and is this something that is correctable? And is it, so, in other words, is this just a hiccup in your mind? I, I think the, I think the offensive line had been playing so well that we we you know we forget Garrett De- Garrett Dellinger was out, and we forget that they have two often freshman offensive linemen. It's I think it is a hiccup. I think they're going to bounce back and be fine in these last two games against uh, A&M and uh, UAB offensively. But 
I, I'm glad they were able to face this level of adversity and to see what Arkansas did, see how aggressive mm-hmm. Arkansas was throughout the game. Um, obviously, there's only you know a handful of games left in the season, so um, you know how much better can, can they really get? But to see how Arkansas played them, I I give a lot of credit to the Arkansas coaching staff, Barry Odom, defensive coordinator, and uh, just what they were able to do and how they were able to. They did what, you know, Alabama wasn't able to do, what Florida wasn't able to do, and uh, really get after Jaden Daniels. So it's um, it's an experience yeah. that I think this team needed. And, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, you're just glad to get out with a win and then Absolutely. learn from all of those shortcomings from the Jaden Daniels perspective, from the offensive line perspective, from Mike Denbrock play-calling perspective. I think there was just a lot to, to learn from and a lot to clean up from. Great film study opportunity with this one. I thought Denbrock got really, really vanilla, very, very conservative. Maybe, maybe he thought, okay, this just isn't our day. Let's let's play not to lose. Our defense is playing so well. Let's just not turn the ball over too many times. Let's not take too many chances. Thank goodness for Josh Williams, right? Yeah, I mean the the run game obviously saved them, and I think they went into that game expecting to be able to throw all over Arkansas because everybody else had been able to. But um, those two turnovers in the first quarter, I feel like really unsettled Jaden Daniels and Mike Jembrock to an extent, to where they're saying the defense is, and I mean the defense allowed three points off those two turnovers, and so as an offense, you're just in the mind state of this Arkansas offense cannot score on us, right? So then it becomes how aggressive do you be? And uh, I think at the end of the day, Josh Williams is a huge reason why they were even able to move the ball at all. And, I mean, they it took a lot of pressure off Daniels, took a lot of pressure off the offensive line, and Josh Williams has been one of the, one of the revelations of this season, I mean, with his, with his play every week. No question. One thing, and I'm not one that judges sporadically, but – one thing that that game showed me is Jaden Daniels is needs to come back and play quarterback at LSU next year. He's not ready for the NFL and all the complexities. He's got a chance to come back. They'll make a nice NIL package for him. Um, so he makes a lot of money that way. He gets his game better. Yeah. I think LSU is going to be a better team. I think they have a chance to to really go places next year. I think that's what that game proved to me. Did it prove anything like that to you? Yeah, I, I think the hope is always that Jaden Daniels comes back. I mean, the hard part is for him, I think, coming to LSU was always to set up the eventual getting to the NFL. And yeah. now, you know, having the success this season, it kind of validates what he had hoped he could do at LSU. But I agree with you. I think everybody in that building – is going to be talking to him about, well, imagine how good you could be next year. And imagine how good this offense could be next year. And imagine Absolutely. what you can show next year. Like, it's not like quarterbacks won't get drafted if they're a year older. I mean, Joe Burrow was 20, what, 23 when he got That's drafted? Right. I mean, he's. That's right. He was. So it's. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, if I had to, you know, if I had to place a bet, I, I think Daniels would come back just because I think there's too yes. much logic in seeing how much he can improve. Um, and how much he already has improved you right. know, this year. So right. I think that's going to be an interesting topic. I think, it, I think they will. I, I, look, I bet the ranch that he comes back. Because look at, to your point, leaps and bounds from the start of the season to now, but still needs room for improvement. Keep the same coaches around. You get better players around it. Your offensive line is going to be 
more experienced. They're going to be deeper. Uh, wow. Um, yep. We're talking with Matthew Bruni. Harold Perkins, um, it, look, I haven't seen a player like that since Taran Matthew. Um, only thing Perkins doesn't do because he hadn't had a chance is to catch a, a punt or a kickoff and run it back. But he is so impactful. He's not going to be a, you know, he's not going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. He's not going to New York, but shouldn't he get all American uh, recognition for what he's done this season? I know it's a small sample size, but is anybody better? It's yeah. We got to see how he finishes out the year. If he puts up more really incredible games like that one against UAB and A and M, it's going to be hard to leave him off. Man, he has just been incredible. And you mentioned uh, him not. You know, he, the only thing he hasn't done is return punts and kicks. It's a uh, he was a five on, on basically a five star running back coming out of high school wow. too. I think a lot of people forget. And he looks like that, right? He has he the elite speed, the change of direction. Uh, to chase down a guy like Malik Hornsby, look, I mean, I look at him as right now he's a he's an elite running back playing linebacker, and I mean that in the best way because he can yeah. just and LSU hasn't forced him to be in these complex situations. He is either spying, he's either attacking, he's rushing the passer, and he's just done that at an incredible level because of his athleticism. I mean, and yeah, he and that's, he's different, and that's why Matt House deserves a heck of a lot of credit. He sees an athlete. You put your best athletes on the field. You keep it simple. You give them one or yep. two things to do, and you tell them just go play. And that's what coaching's all about. Yep. Just because he doesn't have the experience and he doesn't, he can't fill in this gap and do this and all, all that complex stuff that they talk about. There's the ball. There's a guy that has the ball. Go get it. And I, I, I really think Madhouse deserves. An awful lot of credit. I think Brian Kelly deserves a lot of credit. He's not going to win yeah. the SEC Coach of the Year. That's going to go to Josh Heupel. Uh, but Brian Kelly should be right up there, near and dear to it. The job he's done is just is just remarkable. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, National Coach of the Year-wise, it'll be between um, Sonny Dyke, TCU, Josh Heupel, and I would think Brian Kelly would be the, yeah. the top three. Yeah. Uh, so anytime you're, I mean, he's already won what he's already won that, I believe three times in his career. So it's not like he needs the validation and we all know who Brian Kelly is, but I, again, if you look at the season as an overview to be eight and two at this point with UAB and A&M left, if you can win those two games, man, I mean, just the job that they've done to be able to, to sit here. And even though, you know, Arkansas hasn't been great this year, A&M hasn't been great this year, Auburn hasn't been great. These are still row a lot of those well all of those are road SEC games that yes. you just can't take for granted and um, I, I really you know obviously every week you come into it you're like dang they've they've really turned this thing around quicker than any of us expected. Matthew Bruni with us um, is the message this week look we've got a <laughs> we have to play to our standard uh, style points wouldn't hurt so we got a chance Let, let's do it let's get ahead early. Uh, and let's play some people. I, I would think that would be, but UAB's no slouch. No, UAB, I, I've been trying to tell people, UAB is not New Mexico, and they're definitely not Southern. UAB is right. a very capable team that lost to Liberty by seven earlier in the year, um, and they've had they've had some really weird losses, fluky losses. They lost to the UTSA in double overtime, and, um, you know, they, they've, uh, they just beat my alma mater, North Texas, by three scores last week. So it's a, 
it's a team that will run the ball. They're, they've won a lot of games over the past five years. Uh, they've won conference championships over the past five years. And I don't think they're going to come into this game intimidated at all. So they're going to have to – if LSU's up three scores at halftime, I will be very, very impressed. That's that much I'll say. Ah, I'm with you. Uh, I am with you. 8 o'clock kickoff in uh, in Tiger Stadium, senior day, 17 seniors, 13 of which uh, have graduated. This is going to snowball into some more recruiting and more recruiting. It's just uh, nobody saw this coming. It's just been one phenomenal ride. So we'll see what happens. Uh, quickly, I've got to ask you um, – we know the women's basketball team hadn't played anybody yet. They score a hundred points. They still, they, they hadn't played anybody. So I don't I, forget that. Forget that. What about the men's basketball team? What do you think? It seems like this is going to be a work in progress. It's going to take some time. Yeah. I mean, you, you and I probably see the same thing. It's, it's going to take some time. It's uh they don't have the athleticism that last year's team had. They don't play with the pace last year's team had. And obviously right. it's a, it's a lot of feeling out process, but against these lower major teams, especially you don't have the athleticism to really punish them. They're shooting 41% from two right now, which is a huge concern. KJ Williams hasn't been as good as I, I had hoped, mm-hmm. but other than that, you know, on the positive side, Adam Miller looks like he's an all SEC player. So you ride his coattails and you let the rest figure yourself out. And I think, they, on the bright side, you know Tennessee has, you know, just lost Colorado. Uh, I right, think there's right. a few teams. Florida just lost to FAU. So, the middle pack of the SEC, I think, is going to be wide open. So, I think there there's still room for this team to improve to get to the level of where they are fighting in that six to eight range. Yeah, which is, I think they'll play be, defense. You know, I just, I just don't. I don't see enough offense. I don't see enough shooters. Yeah, I either. don't see enough. Um, I've got it. Get out of my way, and I'm gonna get you two kind of players. Miller, yes. After that, yeah, better get a couple more if you yep. if you think you're gonna have a chance against any of these teams in the conference. Yep, I, I agree. I think uh, they they need KJ Williams to to find his footing. He hit three threes last game, which was promising. But um, I think the offensive fluidity is gonna be a real big point with this team, and I. Um, I had questions coming in about some of these guys taking a big step up to the SEC, and so far, you know, guys like Kendall Coleman coming from Northwestern State, yeah, um, yep. and guys haven't quite panned out. And I, it's going to come down to their experience. Guys like Adam Miller and Williams, and I, I would love to see Amani Wilkinson at least look at the rim sometimes as well. But yeah, it, it'll be a work in progress. We'll see how they do. Um, <laughs> they play on Thursday against New Orleans, and then they go to the Cayman Islands for a tournament. Yeah. Basketball's a funny game. Just Northwestern goes and beats TCU yep. last night. So it's a funny, funny yep. thing. But you got to score. You got to be able to put the ball in the basket. Matthew Bruni, thank you yep. so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, go enjoy this cold weather, man. Ooh, too much for me. I know. Me too. I'm not good in anything less than 50, but thanks for having I'm me anytime. You. All right, buddy. You're the best. Matthew Bruni, Bengal Tiger on 3.com. If you're looking for. Great stocking stuffers this holiday season. Look no further than the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takehouse at Cypress Bayou. How about a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen? But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. 
Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. More SEC football talk, some SEC basketball talk when we return here to the Jordy Helford Show. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 37 minutes after the hour. One of my favorite guests joins us now to talk all things SEC sports um, because basketball season, has it really begun? Well, it will tonight because we got a good one in hoops. But Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern joins us. Blake, good afternoon, sir. Thank you for joining us. Um, If I had told you the SEC championship game would be Georgia versus LSU, on December the 3rd, you'd have laughed at me. How about that? Yeah, Jordy, it's uh, kind of wild to think about because, you know, I, I told you one of the season, I thought LSU was kind of part of that group of four in the SEC yeah. West along with, with Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Auburn that I just had no idea kind of what the season expectations would be for those teams. Little did we know that A&M should have been uh, in that group as well based on how <laughs> things have unfolded there, but yeah, I mean, it is surprising from game one to where they are now. I mean, I don't think there's a team that has improved as much as LSU from game one. And, um, you know, here they are, like you said, locked up a, a spot in the championship game. And uh, they win these next two. Uh, then I think that they will be playing for a, a college football playoff spot in that game against Georgia. Are they the most surprising team from a positive side uh, this year? And on the flip side, is Texas A&M the most disappointing surprise team? Yeah, I think it would have to be those two because I think you look at it, you know, I've always said I was pretty high on Tennessee coming into the season, probably higher than most people, so I can't say I'm shocked at what the Vols have done this year. But I think just from a positive standpoint, again, I don't know that I would have thought LSU. You certainly could have seen them as a top 25 team, but winning the SEC West, I don't think that's something I would have expected from this team. Um, so I think they are definitely, you know, from the positive standpoint, the biggest surprise. And I think absolutely, I don't think there's any other choice, probably nationally, to be honest with you, that yeah. anyone other than Texas A&M is the most disappointing team. And you can argue they shouldn't have been ranked as high as they were heading into the season because they had a lot of young players on the roster. But, you know, at some point, yes, has A&M had some bad breaks this year. Yes, we can't ignore that fact. Um, but at the same time, it's still a situation where you're paying the coach the amount of money they're paying and, um, you know, that's just not an acceptable result, no matter any way you slice it, I think, for the Aggies. And so um, to be sitting here out of bowl contention before Vanderbilt um, is it's kind of a, a wild thing to think about uh, at this point for that program. Um, if I'm the athletic director, if I'm the head coach at a and I'm concerned about, look, this ship is sinking faster than the Titanic this year. And when things sh- when the thing starts to sink, people start to jump ship. Uh, I'm concerned for a and m um about the portal and how many of these from this great recruiting class are going to jump ship and go I, there's going to be some there's no doubt about that yeah I mean it's a hard sell if you're Jimbo now because it's what are you selling um you know other than the fact that this team is again fairly unfairly has just become sort of the I mean, a punchline for a lot of people now because yeah. it is one where, you know, they're sitting here again as a preseason top 10 team, whether you agree with that or not. That's not really the point. The point is that they shouldn't be 
where they are right now. And and that's the bigger discussion. And I think convincing players to buy into something that, what do you think? We're going to have another great recruiting class? Well, you had that this year. And I'm not saying yet. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt that some youth has played a role there. But at the same time, I don't know what the sell is unless it's just a lot of NIL money. Uh, because, you know, being able to say that you're – you're going to get this back on track. I don't know how that conf- how confident people will be right now in that happening. I'm with you. Um, I, I hate these non-conference games in November, but the, the teams coming to play in the SEC, Austin P, East Tennessee State, UMass, Western Kentucky, uh, New Mexico State, and UAB. God, I hate these games yeah. in November, Blake. I really do, well, but – I know, and I think I think LSU has drawn the toughest of the group. Um, I was you know, going to ask you that. Yep. Western, yeah, I mean, I think Western Kentucky is pretty good too. But I tell you, this UAB team, um, you know, somebody said to me, like, well, did you see like the opening line for LSU UAB? I was like, well, what is it? And they're like, only like 14 or something. I'm like, well, I'm not shocked by that because yeah. um, Dwayne McBride is one of the best running backs in the country. And you're talking about a guy, you know, Jordy, when you look at this guy's stats, I'm, you know, again, keep in mind, I'm not right. saying that he hasn't earned those, but it will be different running against an LSU team than it is a lot of others. But you're talking about a guy who has rushed for 120 yards in every single game this season and has put up 17 touchdowns. Um, they are going to try to run the ball. And, you know, again, we'll see if they have any success. But he's a very good player. And so I, I can understand why maybe there can be not a hesitation in LSU winning the game, but maybe a little thinking that, hey, they are a team that's locked up this SEC championship bid. But you know what? For LSU, there's a lot more motivation now because they can't lose another game, to that, which will completely take them out of the college playoff conversation, I think, even if they win the SEC championship. That's right. They have to right. be fully focused and win these next two games. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's uh, – again, I, I don't want to kind of give anybody the wrong impression that I think UAB is going to win the game. But it is something where you've got a, a very talented – nationally recognized player coming in uh, that can mm-hmm. be sort of a game changer in a game like this one. But I, I'm with you. The overall picture uh, this week is is Ooh. not great for some of these SEC teams. No, oh, 204 carries for McBride, uh, 1,407 yards. That's seven yards a pop. Uh, and he's got 17 <laughs> yeah. touchdowns. So uh, Brian Kelly addressed that note. Um, do style points mean anything for LSU or just go get a win? Well, if you ask Tennessee, they matter. Um, oh, I was going to ask you about that next. Uh, <laughs> what about that? Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing: is like I know there were some people that that made stuff of the the Missouri, you know, the way that game finished. But I, I say this: I you don't have to like it, but I also can't blame Tennessee for it because this is what the committee has created in terms of you understand that you know what, they're they're probably, if you win that game by 35 or win that game by 42, I hate to say it, but there's probably a difference there um, in terms of how you're viewed. And so I think that does matter at this point because you are, in LSU's case, you're in a unique situation where, again, you've already lost two games. um, You're playing your best football. All that stuff matters. But I do think we are to the point to where I've said before, you know, Jordy, I think the scenario is if LSU wins the SEC championship and they win these next two games, no matter how they do it, they have to be in the college football playoff, in my opinion, because yeah. Yeah. that will have put them in a scenario where, again, you look at the wins. They would have beaten beat Alabama, the Ole Miss, Georgia. Um, yeah. I just think that would be too strong to keep them out as the SEC champion. Um, and I just, again, I, style will matter probably a little bit, but I think any way you look at it, 
if they win the SEC championship and beat Georgia and they win the next two games, I think they have to be in. If LSU does beat Georgia, based upon the fact that Georgia beat Tennessee, will Georgia be the second SEC <laughs> team in, in the playoff? That is obviously where things get very interesting because I think in that scenario, assuming you know LSU doesn't win by three touchdowns or something, which right. I just right. I would not see happening. If it's a close game, I don't see any way you leave Georgia out because I think they will have earned their spot. Uh, if you're if you, if on the other hand you are saying that LSU is a college football playoff team, I think you would have to say Georgia is as well because obviously that's where the, the Tennessee discussion gets interesting. If they went out and they're just obliterating these teams like they should, um, then it becomes a much more fascinating conversation, doesn't it? Because Tennessee will have been left out having beaten LSU by 27. Um, But I think in that scenario, I think if LSU and Georgia play a a good game, it's a touchdown or so game, whatever, even if it's more than that, I just unless there's just so much that happens around them, I really don't see a scenario where Georgia gets left out. I'm with you, uh, Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. We know Georgia is going to be ranked number one when the playoff poll comes out tonight. We know Ohio State's going to be number two. I would argue with anybody that I would put TCU three and Michigan yeah. four based upon who you've played, where you've played them. Uh, they, they're both undefeated. Michigan hadn't played anybody. TCU's played some pretty good teams. I would put TCU ahead of them. Am I crazy? No, I'm with you. I, again, I don't know if they'll do it, but I, I, I'm with you. After that win at Texas, I think that I, TCU, to me, if you're looking at kind of what they've accomplished at this point, I mean, we've, we've talked about this a lot, I feel like, over the past you know several weeks now. If you just look at what Michigan has done, it's not to say that they're a bad team because they're 10-0, but if you're looking for the wins, um, there are not many that are just standing out. The, the, the ones that come the rest of the way, Versus an Illinois or Ohio State, those will obviously help. But to this point, they've got a a win against Penn State and everything else. You know, if you're just looking at it from a top 25 standpoint, they're not there, and their non-conference schedule was brutal. Um, so, yeah, I think TCU would deserve to be in that spot right now ahead. And um, I think now, kind of when you look at where TCU's at, I think they're you know all they have to do is win out. If TCU wins out, they're not getting left out. They're going to be in. And like you said, I think they can be ranked as high as maybe two or three um, by the time this thing is all said and done because um, they, they do have a pretty uh, impressive run they've got to this point. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I think that's the only caveat. Tennessee will be five, LSU will be number six, and then after that, um, I guess Alabama moves up because they beat Ole Miss, so maybe Alabama's yeah. uh, seven. Who knows, right? I, I yeah. don't know. Right. It's the, the Pac-12 kind of threw a – obviously Oregon losing – made things a little bit more interesting, but you oh, know, USC is going to be USC up there. Will, yeah. will be the top. Yeah. The top yeah. team yeah. ranked from that conference now. And right. so, um, that'll be kind of an interesting storyline to follow the rest of the way too with them. I'm with, I'm with you. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. I still say I'm not watching college basketball till we have good games. They have some good games. I mean, <laughs> Northwestern goes into TCU and, and beats them, but we got a good one tonight with Kentucky and Michigan state followed by Duke and Kansas. Uh, from what you've seen so far, well, and I know it's early. It's very early, but um, what Tennessee gets beat by Colorado. What do you think of the SEC in hoops so far? Yeah, I'll tell you, the best team I've seen this season, and I've watched a lot, is Kentucky. I think they're the best team in the country. Um, okay. And they've done it, guess what, without the unanimous player of the year on the floor. Uh, yeah. And that's a scary thing to think about is they, to me, have looked like the best team, and they haven't had their best player um, and so 
I think, you know, it seems like they're going to get him back tonight against Michigan State. I don't know that Michigan State will be able to match up with them the way they're playing. Uh, keep in mind, Kentucky's had 11 threes in the first two games each. Um, <laughs> that's not something we're used to seeing from Kentucky. But no, They've got a shooting element this year. They've got depth. Um, beyond that, I'll tell you, Jordy, I think that Alabama has probably been, I don't want to say surprising, but Alabama is much deeper and I think better this early than I thought they would be. And they're also playing without arguably what could be their best or second best player in Javon Quinterly. So I think those are a couple of things that stood out. Um, certainly, uh, struggles on the, on the negative note. Vanderbilt certainly struggles. Tennessee has not shot the ball well. Auburn's not really shot the ball well, but their defense is made up for it. Uh, but I think if you ask me who the two most impressive teams have been thus far, I think it's been Kentucky and Alabama. Kentucky and Alabama. Um, LSU fans better just slow it. It's a whole different game now than what Will <laughs> Wade presented and now what Matt McMahon's playing. Uh, they, they don't run up and down the floor. It's not an offensive gear type of club. I'm just worried that they got to find some scores. Um, I think they'll play good on the defensive end. They got to find scores, man, because you Adam Miller's a good player, but he needs help. And if you don't have two or three guys that can flat out shoot it and score it, you're not going to win in this league. Yeah, I think they're they're in that group of teams early on that are still figuring it out, and and that's not surprising. I think we we thought it would be that way. They're going to have to figure some things out in terms of um, the scoring aspect for sure, and and we'll see how it kind of evolves from here. Um, I don't know how much the schedule will kind of tell us because. They don't have the, the strongest non-conference schedule just on paper, but um, it will be interesting to see kind of how. But as we said before, Jordy, too, there's there's no team in the country, I, I don't think, that has a, a stronger first half of a conference schedule than, than LSU. Yeah. But they better figure it out because Whew. when December 28th gets here, they yep. are going to be in for a month of pure <laughs> just challenges because they have got just one of the most – the toughest – Probably one of the toughest stretches of an SEC schedule I've ever seen, and I'm not exaggerating on that. It's, it's pretty brutal. I know you aren't. You're, you're right. Um, I just get the feeling Kentucky's due. You know, it's been a while, um, and they keep getting good players. Um, to your point, they're winning without the best player in the country from a year ago. They're only going to get back. I, I just have a feeling Kentucky is overdue, and Cal may get his second one. I, I just have that feeling. Yeah, I, I think they're the best team in the league, and right now I – not to take anything away from an Alabama and Arkansas, but I'm not sure there's a close second at this very moment. I just think Kentucky is, is that good, and we'll see how good they look um, when they get Sheway back tonight, perhaps. And, and if he's fully healthy, then that's the limit for this team. There goes every rebound known to mankind. He's going to go get it. Uh, Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern, you're the best. Thanks for sharing some time with us, man. If I don't talk to you, if I don't get you next week, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Yep, same to you, Jordy. Thanks as always. Uh, you're the best. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern and part of the Blue Ribbon, Blue Ribbon Basketball Yearbook. Man knows what he is talking about. You know, you can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or your local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Back to wrap up our number one after this timeout, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the SEC, going to the SEC Championship, LSU Tigers, and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. 
Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Right, we are back. Time to wrap up our number one of this uh, this program. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, coming up, our number two, Bob Rose will join us for the Black and Gold Report of the New Orleans Saints. We'll take a look back. We'll take a look ahead. We'll go around uh, the NFL. I think uh, the Minnesota Vikings are underrated. I don't care about the quarterback. I like the. I think their wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, is the best wide receiver in football. I really do. They got a heck of a running back. They play defense. They got a coach that this team has bought in on. They really, really do. All right, that's coming up. Uh, our number two as LSU's favored by 14 and a half. The Cajuns are 23 and a half point underdogs to Florida State. And the Saints are three and a half point favorites over the Rams. Uh, our number two straight ahead here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go still to come. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network for the weekly Black and Gold Report. Despite the fact that the Saints stink, we will uh, do our duty and make things happen. LSU faces UAB, who closed off last season with a 31-28 win in the Independence Bowl over then 19th-ranked BYU. They started off the season with a 59-zip win over Alabama A&M. Lost a seven-point heartbreaker, 21-14 to Hugh Freeze and Liberty. Um, Raging Cajun fans, very familiar. UAB beat Georgia Southern 35-21. Then, um, chink in their armor, they lost at Rice 28-24. They came back, beat Middle Tennessee, beat Charlotte. They did lose to Western Kentucky in Kentucky. Uh, They came back, lost at Florida Atlantic. Um, Then they lost to UT San Antonio at home, 44-38. Since then, they've beaten North Texas, 41-21. And they've got LSU Saturday night in Tiger Stadium. Look, LSU's not going to slip up in this game. They They had their headache hangover and all that stuff against Arkansas. They did. And I'm not making excuses at all whatsoever. You've got to always be ready to play, especially a league game when you're on the road. Cold, 11 a.m., the flu bug, the hangover from the Alabama game, everybody patting them on the back, saying you're the greatest, this, that, and the other. Um, It was a natural letdown. But good teams figure out a way to win regardless regardless and this is a good team a very good team do you think if lsu played florida state now what that would look like i'm just saying i'm just saying so lsu will take care of business uh it's just how effective do they look and if i'm brian kelly and those coaches i'm telling them look we've got to play well we've got to show that committee 
we've got to show them that we're legit, that we're serious, and that we're getting ready to march into Atlanta after beating UAB and after beating Texas A&M, that we're deserving of this opportunity. So that's the message this week. I'm behind closed doors with that team going, we got we to gotta go kick their you-know-whats. Show no mercy. Style points matter. Because the last game we played, yeah, okay. Yeah. Thank God for Harold Perkins. He's all everybody is talking about. Nobody's talking about how LSU's offense was kind of ineffective and the great job that Arkansas's defense did. Everybody's talking about Harold Perkins and the game that he had. And it's spreading like wildfire. I mean, like wildfire. And deservedly so. He's terrific. I hadn't seen a player like that since since the Honey Badger um, that affected a game the way that he did. I mean, just, just remarkable. And he's only going to get better. Here's a classic example of what coaching's all about because that is getting your best players on the field and letting them play, letting them play freely, not paralysis by analysis, giving them so much to think about that they, they think first and then, re- and then go. You, you can't be like that in sports, man. You just got to react. And the fact that he is so fast and uh, tackles in such a good way, I mean, he, when he hits you, you go down. You go down. So that is, that is good coaching, very good coaching. Offensive line has to get better. They had a little shock treatment. But you know what? Man, that's why they tape, they film everything, and they'll be able to show exactly what Arkansas did. Now, when this happens again, this is what you do. This is how you do it. This is how you handle it. Um, And I think the LSU coaching staff will learn from that as well. You're never too old to learn. Never. Some teams throw something. You think you prepare. These coaches work hours upon hours upon hours on end. And then another team comes up and changes things up, does something they've never done before, and they see some some positive results. And now you're like, okay, we've got to make some adjustments. LSU really didn't. I think they became very conservative in their approach because I think their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, was, was a little bit rattled after the interception, after the fumble. Um, so I think LSU and Coach Denbrock and Coach Sloan and Coach Kelly said, you know what, it's really not our day offensively. We're not going to lose the game by taking chances offensively because our defense is playing so good, Arkansas is not going to be able to score on us. They're not. So that's my thoughts on it. So they had their hiccup Saturday. They got to win. That's all that counts, man. It's all that counts. Now, UAB, you're a good team. You're not a great team. You've lost at some teams that you probably shouldn't have lost to. Got a really good running back. You got three wide receivers averaging 17, 19, and 20 yards per reception. Uh, you you, you got a quarterback here. You play have another quarterback that's, equally as effective, but you're fixing to run into the hurricane. You're fixing to, because I think LSU will be jacked up for this one. Now, is the crowd 
You should be. It's the last time you get to see him at home. It's the last time. Um, Because those SEC championship tickets ain't going to be cheap, and the airline's not going to be cheap, and the hotel room's not going to be cheap. So this was a this was really a huge surprise, and nobody from LSU had said, "Okay, I'm going to take I'm going to take that Friday, December second off because I'm going to Atlanta to watch LSU play in the SEC championship game." Heck, no! A lot of people were just hoping that they would get six wins and go to some little rinky-dink bowl game. That's what they were hoping and thinking. Nobody thought of this. Nobody. We talked to the, one of the team doctors today. And uh, I said, man, what, what's going on? He goes, we're just pinching ourselves. Nobody expected this. And behind the scenes, not one coach expected this. They have far exceeded their expectations. I promise you, they have. Now that they're there, though, hey, let's go. Game on. Let's win. Let's win. So um, I think UAB will be put up a good showing, but I think LSU is going to put the pedal to the metal and get after it and just go. I think style points matter this week. They really do. And then we'll get to AM next week because they're already talking trash. AM, that's the, the LSU game is their bowl game. There is no question about it. It is their bowl game. I think AM plays UMass this week. When you talk about a bad SEC schedule, Austin P at Alabama, East Tennessee State at Mississippi State, UMass at Texas AM, Florida at Vanderbilt. Ugh. Georgia at Kentucky, Western Kentucky at Auburn, Tennessee at South Carolina, Ole Miss at Arkansas. That's the best game of the week. Best game of the week, and some and a lot of the luster is off of that. New Mexico State at Missouri, and UAB at LSU. Of all those non-conference teams, as we talked to Blake Lavelle in hour number one, LSU's got the toughest matchup in UAB. No question, no doubt. But... Um, LSU's going to take care of business. I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever because LSU will come out as the sixth-ranked team in the country in the college playoff poll tonight. It'll be Georgia, Ohio State. I would put TCU ahead of Michigan, but I think the, the committee will put Michigan, then TCU, then Tennessee, then LSU. There you go. All right, we'll take a timeout here. Uh, when we come back, the Black and Gold Report, Bob Rose, Saints News Network here on the Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. While we try to look ahead and think of brighter days for the New Orleans Saints, I don't know, it's kind of like the weather. Bob is in the middle of a snowstorm. It's cold. It's dreary. It's mucky here. Kind of sums up the way the Saints are. Bob, from the Saints News Network. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, Jordy. And you know, just keep in mind, uh, there are, what, 40, 41, 40 days until Christmas. So if you're <laughs> clinging to brighter days and you're a winter person, unlike myself, 
I suppose that's something to look forward to. See, you look forward way down the road. I just take little babies. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. That's what I'm looking forward to. My goodness. All right. Uh, we probably should because we haven't bought our turkey yet. So, yeah. So, yeah, the Rose household probably needs to develop uh, the, the Haltberg philosophy. Yeah, I, I don't do the turkey. I, I I get it somebody else to do it and I just bring it. <laughs> See, I'm I, I, I like expert work. I've tried it once. Nah, not so good. Anyway, uh, 20 to 10 Saints lose to the Steelers. Um, what? There's so many fingers you can point, you can blame, and this, that, and the other. I think it stems from the top. I think this just is a a coaching staff with and a philosophy that just has not sunk in or has not been bought into. There's something amiss here. Where is the disconnect in your thought process? Uh, it, it's everywhere, like you said. Uh, but when it is everywhere, you got to start with changes at the top. Uh, yeah, and to me... Uh, yeah, it, I, I, I was fortunate enough to join John Hendricks uh, at the stadium on Sunday and in the yeah. pressers after. Uh, and to me, Dennis Allen just looks like a defeated man. Uh, you know, he I'm not calling him a clueless person. Right. But he looks like he has no clue in what he's doing or, you know, or, or how to find any answers to this situation. And you know, when you're. When you have no answers or no solutions at the top, that is bound to trickle down through the entire team. Uh, and I think the defense is a great example. I thought this defense still tackled very poorly, but I thought yeah. this defense played well in the first half uh, against the Steelers, just like I thought they played pretty well in the first half against the Ravens the week before. Uh, and then they just collapsed in the second half. Uh, you know, they were you know, they, they were literally no pun intended. They were literally defenseless mm -hmm. to stop anything. And, you know, and you know, it goes back to my theory about at the top and trickling down when that happens. It's bound to demoralize your team, even when you do have select players that are still playing hard. Uh, Bob, to your point, um, according to Pro Football Focus, the Saints missed 14 tackles. The Steelers gained 144 yards after contact and six defensive penalties all resulted in Pittsburgh first downs. Lack of discipline, lack of focus, lack of preparation. I know players have to play, but coaches have to hold them accountable, and it doesn't seem like that's working right now. You're right, and that's where the disconnect is. It, you know, it, it is in lack of preparation and lack of focus uh you know the lack of focus is on the field most certainly uh but when you have a lack of focus and lack of prep and practice leading up to how how are you going to play well at that point because yeah you know, like you said and like i've said all along these guys are professionals on the football field but you're mm -hmm. also playing against professionals mm -hmm. uh you know that are preparing uh, their best seemingly to play against you and to perform well against you. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not surprised uh, at the pro football uh, uh, statistics that you brought out by missed tackles, but that doesn't even give you the scope of the whole story. That doesn't, that doesn't factor in the poor angles that players like Tyron Matthew right. uh, and, and Caden Ellis are playing, you know, uh, taking to ball carriers where they don't even get a shot at a missed tackle uh, you know, because, again, of their lack of preparation and lack of focus uh, you know, at, uh, at closing in on a ball carrier. And that's been as big a problem for this defense as the physical missed tackles. Uh, six sacks of Kenny Pickett, you would think, okay, Saints are right in it, but 
it's either feast or famine, right? Either they get a sack or they miss tackles. And uh, every team seems to be able to run against the Saints, who are now 3-7. and seven. The franchise is worse since 2005. Um, they were 2-8 and eight through 10 games that season, and they finished 3-13. and 13. Uh, I'm just saying. So you got the defensive side of the ball not doing anything. The Steelers held the Saints to 29 yards rushing. What? What? It's not like the steel curtain's there. I don't see Jack Ham and Mean Joe Green and, uh, you know, those kind of Mel Blunt. I don't see those guys. Um, what the heck? <sighs> yeah, um, and you know, the Saints offense made guys like T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, who are very, very good players. Uh, you know, they, they made them look like Jack Lambert and, and, uh, and Jack Ham. Uh, and I guess in hindsight, we maybe should have tempered our expectations for the Saints offense coming into this one because they were already without Eric McCoy and Andrews Pete. And then they lost uh, you know, James Hurst early in the third quarter. Uh, but again, to your point about coaching, you make preparations for those kind of things. Uh, you know, you get cute with your offensive game plan. You know, you use a lot of finesse because, you know, you're not going to be able to beat you know, to win a power game. Uh, and yet you look at the stat line after the game and yeah, 20 yards, 29 yards rushing is beyond appalling. But then you realize that a guy like Alvin Kamara gets 11 flipping touches against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's your best offensive player. No disrespect to Chris Olave, who's great. No mm -hmm. respect to Taysom Hill, who gives a spark plug, uh, you know, whenever he's in the game. But when you when your best player gets 11 touches, how can you even entertain uh, you know, the prospects of winning a football game. <laughs> you can't. Um, just another little stat, and we'll get to this uh, down the road, but Philadelphia got beat. But C.J. Gardner-Johnson just made his league-leading sixth interception on the season. You know how many interceptions the Saints' entire team has this year? Two! Two. Exactly right. Two. So the turnover battle, the, the big – you see – that's why you got to play the games, right? We can talk all we want in the offseason and this, oh, look at this player and that player, and look at this, that. You got to produce on the field, and they're not. We're turning the ball over. We're not getting takeaways from the other team. Uh, that's a recipe for disaster, Bob. Yes, sir, it is. And they were facing a Pittsburgh Steelers team that came into that game 28th in the league in turnovers. Uh, they turned the ball over 14 times. The Steelers were 27th in in the league in rushing production, uh, you know, an average of 95 yards per game. And you know, the, the Pittsburgh's out rushing production outproduced the entire Saints' total yardage. Uh, yeah, that's just it, it. It makes you sick to your stomach to to even talk about. So now you get the LA Rams coming. Um, you've given Andy Dalton all these opportunities. Um, you come out and said that Jameis Winston is healthy. Uh, what what happens here and now, in your opinion, um, about the Saints and that that position on the field? I'll tell you, Jordy. In my in my view, if I were Dennis Allen, I would start Jameis Winston. Because I think we've seen the limitations of what where Andy Dalton can take you. Yeah. He takes care of the football better, uh, but yeah, he he can't escape pressure at 35 years old. He right. seems to have gotten flustered in the pass pocket in you know, in recent weeks. 
Uh, you know, and he just doesn't have the receiver receiving weapons outside of Alave to make him a better quarterback with Winston. Yeah, I know you have the turnovers and you know, he doesn't read so, defensive nearly so as well as Dalton. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but at this point, yeah, it, you throw caution to the wind and you say, uh, if it's me, I say, OK, I'm trying to save my job. This guy have, it gives me a higher upside. Uh, yeah, to hell with it. Yeah, excuse my language. To heck with it. Let's see what he could do. Uh, <laughs> that's what I would do in my view. In my opinion, I think Dennis Allen made it very clear four or five weeks ago when uh, you know, when Jameis Winston was you know, at least healthy enough to take the field. Dennis Allen made it very clear to all of us that Andy Dalton is his guy. Uh, and you know, that was the very first question the coach was asked in the, you know, in the post game presser. Uh, yeah. And he brushed it off. Uh-huh. Um, I, I believe he's going to go with Andy Dalton again on Sunday against the Rams. I'm not blaming Dalton. This is a sure, collective no. effort, but for the mm-hmm. second straight week, the offense found the end zone only one time. They gained just 186 yards against the Steelers. They've converted just six of 23 third downs over the past two games. They haven't been able to sustain drives, which means the defense is out on the field more, which makes them more susceptible to missing tackles. It, it's like a, the hamster on the on the treadmill. It just keeps going around and around and around and around and around. The Steelers had it for thir- nearly 39 minutes to the Saints' 21. Recipe for disaster. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and, and again, your coaches on the sidelines aren't helping you. There were three third downs in the you know, in that Pittsburgh game where Alvin Kamara wasn't even on the field. Two of those three third downs that Kamara wasn't in, Chris Olave wasn't in either. Those are your best two offensive players. And I don't have to remind you what happened on back-to-back third and one and fourth and ones when they failed to get it oh, uh, you know, when Taysom Hill did not touch the ball on either of those downs. Well, let me ask you, though, okay? So in Dalton's first five starts, this team's averaging 30 points a game. Mm-hmm. 30 points a game his last two they're averaging 11 what happened <sighs> is the offensive line falling apart is the game planning just not up to speed are they playing against better well i thought pittsburgh stunk so they're not playing against better teams so how do you go from 30 points a game to only 11 what what happened do you think three major things the way i see it uh your offensive line uh, played extremely poorly against Baltimore, and you know, was you know, we we saw a preseason offensive line against the Steelers. Uh, you know, so yeah, that's a factor. Uh, again, you're not you you know you look at Kamara's touches and look at Taysom Hill's touches in those first five games that you mentioned, and then look at Taysom and Kamara's combined touches in the last two. Uh, I remember sitting here with you at approximately this time last week, uh, you know, lamenting the fact that the Saints coach and offensive coaches seem to be coaching scared against a physical Baltimore defense. Uh, you know, I saw that same kind of thing against Pittsburgh. Uh, we're not seeing any kind of in-game adjustments whatsoever. Uh, you know, if an opposing defense is stonewalling the original game plan that they come out with uh and i see i'm seeing this on the defensive side as well uh you know these coaches offensive and defensive coaches for new orleans are doing a very poor job uh at at making in-game adjustments if they make any at all those are the three major things that i see okay um what do you think the fan reaction will be sunday if andy dalton trots out there for the first series a lot of booze. Uh, yeah, I think we'll see a lot of booze, especially if the Saints 
end up going a three and out on their first possession or two. I think that Superdome will go absolutely out of their mind, uh, you know, at booing and you know, a chance that we can't say here on the you know, on a PG rated show. Uh, yeah, I, I, I right. think the fan base has very clearly had it with Dennis Allen and Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's not the future. He's a one year deal. All right. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. Jameis Winston, you got to let him play himself out of a contract, right? You got to let him play. I still believe, no matter what he does, that the the starting quarterback for next season isn't in the locker room. No, I agree with that. Uh, I'm you know coming into the year, I had high hopes for Jameis. I knew the potential downside. Did. I knew the risks. Uh, but again, just like we said a minute ago, I think Dennis Allen made it very clear that Jameis Winston is not his guy. Uh, you know, and based off of how Winston had played even before uh, you know, being publicly a uh, public knowledge of the injury, uh, yeah, I do think that it was very clear that at this now that we've reached this point in the season, that I'm 100 percent agree in agreement with you that the next Saints quarterback is not in the building, and it's not Taysom Hill. That's a you know that's an experiment gone by the wayside. It's not Dalton, and it's not Winston. Uh, yeah, and now without a first round draft choice uh, and without a guarantee of one. Uh, you know, with uh, you know, some guy named Peyton maybe floating out there as trade bait. Yeah. Uh, you know, wh- where the heck do they go? I mean, you can't just pick up a quarterback in free agency anymore. You got to give up a king's ransom, uh, you know, to get a big name if th- that big name wants out of their said, uh, you know, team situation. So, yeah, you know, what what do you do? Yeah, yeah. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Um, we'll take a time out here. Uh, when we come back, several things I want to touch upon. Oh, did you hear all the champagne bottle bottles pop open? Because the Miami Dolphins celebrated yet again as the last of the unbeatens are no longer. So Bob Rose's top five now. Who are they? Is there a change atop the leaderboard? And is he a believer finally in the team that just keeps winning the Minnesota Vikings. And we'll talk about the Saints against the Rams. Saints got some good news. They won't have to play against somebody that always is tough to cover. So we'll deal with that and much, much more as we continue the black and gold report here on the Jordy Helpert Show with Bob Rose from the Saints News Network. So please stay with us. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I got a feeling everything's going to be all right somehow, some way. Welcome back. Jordy Holberg here. Uh, it's the Black and Gold Report, part Two with my good friend Bob Rose from the Saints News Network. So the Miami Dolphins from 72, the last undefeated team, popped the champagne corks last night because the Philadelphia Eagles got beat. The Washington Commanders took care of business. It's all about protecting the football, Bob, and the Eagles turned it over, and that's why they are no longer unbeaten. So um, with that in mind, Bob, uh, we do it every week. Uh, your top five teams in the league, Eagles still with the best record out there at eight and one, but the Vikings are eight and one. Um, the Bucks are charging. Let's see who else is out there. Um, Miami leads the AFC East. The Chiefs in control of the AFC West. 
And we got a two-horse race in the AFC North with the Ravens and the Bengals. The Titans are on top of their division. So let's let's start with your top five this week, Bob, if you don't mind. Starting at number five, who's the fifth-best team in the NFL, according to you? Uh, number five for me is the Buffalo Bills. And most of the year, they've been you know, two or three for me. Yeah. Uh, they've slipped a little bit. And it wasn't just because they lost against the Minnesota Vikings. It was because of how they lost. Uh, you know, in recent weeks, they're turning the ball a lot more, uh, over a lot more. Uh, you know, I have said all year that the that lack of a running game for Buffalo could catch up with them. Uh, you know, and maybe we're starting to see some signs of that. Uh, and Buffalo's awfully beat up on defense. I think they're still one of the top teams in the AFC, but they have slipped in the Bob Rose rankings this week. All right. Who is at number four? I tell you, it was tough between three and four, uh, but yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins at number four. Wow. Uh, I am slowly starting to believe in this team. Uh, you know, and, 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 yeah, and Tua is just so fun to watch. They have so much speed on offense. This is a really underrated defense. Uh, you know, they're getting they're getting healthy back in the secondary, so it could cause some turnovers down the stretch. I think this Miami team might be for real, Jordy. Um, I love. I love their team. I love the way Tua is uh, is playing. I love the speed on their uh, the receiving course. And Mike McDaniel might be the sneakiest hire yet. I love this guy. I don't know what it is about him, but he's cool, calm, collected. Everybody was laughing at him. Who who they hire and why? Seems like he's got things in pretty good shape. Yeah, he seems like an extremely organized coach. These players play for him. Yeah, uh, you know they they play with a lot of passion on the field on both sides of the football. Uh, you know, New Orleans Saints, Mickey Loomis, Gail Benson, take some notes. <laughs> yeah, all right. So uh, uh, we've got the the Bills at five, Miami Dolphins at four, at number three. You've got I got Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this three. team is playing. They're playing with a lot of confidence. They're a veteran team that have been in a lot of big games. I think that's the reason why I have them above the Miami Dolphins right now okay. uh, you know, is because of their big game experience. Uh, they're playing a little bit better defensively than I thought they would be. Uh, you know, and Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't matter who that man is throwing to. He, he's he's great. All right. Do we have a change to top the leaderboard? Who's at number two? Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and, and again, for the same reason I dropped Buffalo, uh, it wasn't just because the Eagles lost. It was the way they lost. Uh, they looked a little bit vulnerable against Washington's running game. Uh, I, I didn't realize how, how many injuries they had up front along their defensive line uh, you know, until I tuned in for a little bit last night. Uh, and Philadelphia really struggled to run the ball. And I think as, as improved a quarterback as Jalen Hurts is, I think that that shows that Philadelphia absolutely has to run the football, uh, you know, for Jalen Hurts to be effective. He can't be a drop, back, a pure drop back passer, and expect to win. And at number one, blow that horn, baby. Here we go. Yeah, blow it. Uh, purple people, purple people eaters. Uh, yeah, Minnesota Vikings. Uh, in spite of who is their quarterback, uh, this team continues to make plays 
to make just enough plays to win games. And, I mean, you don't go into Buffalo uh, you know, with as many things stacked against you in the fourth quarter as what the Vikings had and yeah. pull out a win unless you are a darn good football team. Uh, yeah, and this is another team, like you pointed out with the Dolphins and like we talked about with the Giants, this is another team that made another coaching change this offseason. But early dividend, you know, I don't think we could call it early. We're past the midseason point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the returns for this coaching change are, are nothing but spectacular. Uh, you know, a young defense is playing above their heads. Uh, the Vikings have playmakers all over the field. And it looks like they finally have an offensive line that can keep Cousins upright. And, you know, Kirk can be a streaky passer, not a big game performer. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the Vikings have played well in big games, including old number eight. So I don't see how you can't put them at number one right now. I'm with you. Um, and I, I, I would tell you, if you asked me, if you could pick one wide receiver and start your team with it, I'd go Justin Jefferson. Everybody in the world knows they're throwing to him. He, and I'm not just talking about the spectacular kicks that reminded everyone of another LSU Tiger and Odell Beckham Jr. Guy just gets open. He makes catches. Um, I think he's the best wide receiver in football. I really do. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do too. And I'm a, you know, I'm a big Jamar Chase guy, as you know. Uh, but I think Jeff, Justin Jefferson is probably a tiny bit more well-rounded uh, you know, at this point in their respective careers. And like you said, you know, it, defenses are putting not only their best defensive back on him, but they're bracketing him. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're they're double, triple covering him. They're throwing him around. They're beating him, you know, beating on him. Uh, and he just continues to make plays. I respect that. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. This Sunday's a battle of the bums. Never has a Super Bowl winner fallen and plummeted so quickly and rapidly as the Rams have. They're three and six. And, of course, the Saints are just they're just a bad. When, when the Honey Badger says, well, just a bad football team, um, that, that tells me. I mean, he's being honest, and they are bad. One good caveat, no Cooper Cup. He's on IR having ankle surgery. So um, let's talk about this game. If you can't win this game, who in the heck are you going to beat on your schedule? Who are you going to beat? You just shook me up with a case of deja vu because I believe we said those exact same words last week at this time leading up to the Steelers game. And you said we were going to win. I said, okay, I'm buying. I'm in. Ugh. I, it just doesn't. It doesn't mean I'm a liar. It just means no. I'm a little dim sometimes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, not not going against Cooper Cup is going to be big. Uh, the Rams have a lot of injuries uh, along their offensive line, an offensive line that has played very very poorly even when healthy this year. Uh, I do expect Matthew Stafford to play. I know he missed last week with a concussion, uh, but yeah, he wasn't ruled officially out until like two hours before kickoff. So I would be surprised if Stafford doesn't play. You got to find an answer answer for Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd defensively. those two guys are still capable of create, uh, completely wrecking an offense. And given the way we've seen the Saints' offensive line play in the last two you know, two weeks, uh, that has to be a scary proposition for whoever is that quarterback. Uh, you know, Dennis Allen needs to brush off his history books because Alvin Kamara has always been effective uh, you know, in his relatively short career against the L.A. Rams. You got to use him. You got to use him. You got to use Alave. Uh, you got to get the ball out of your hands quick uh, because even with a healthy offensive line, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, they're a force. Uh, but you got to start out the game strong, too. Uh, you have the Superdome crowd in your favor, but that favor is going to turn really, really quickly really if the Saints get off to a poor start. 
Saints favored by three in this one. So um, they've already got the Fire Dennis Allen um, websites out there. Uh, they're begging Gail Benson to find a new co- – would the Saints – would the Saints offer Sean Payton the moon to come back? And do you think if they did, do you think he would do it? Or do you think he's just like – because I always thought they had a great rel- – he always – praised Mickey Loomis and he loved mm-hmm. ownership and they had a great relationship. Would, could you foresee that as a possibility? Sure. It's a possibility. Uh, and I think the saints would be fools not to do this. Uh, but I also don't think it will happen. I think in Sean Payton's mind, and you watch that press conference with me, I think in Sean Payton's mind, when he said goodbye, that was goodbye. Uh, you know, no, no ill wishes, no ill thoughts on any sides here. I think he and Mickey, uh, Mickey Loomis are still extremely, will always be extremely close. Uh, you know, and Sean has you know, such uh, fond feelings for the entire Benson family. I mean, they gave him his shot. Uh, but I, I think that ultimately, you know, is Sean Payton will be on someone else's sidelines in 2023. Not to say that the Saints won't make a run at him, not to say that they shouldn't, because I think Curious. they should. Uh-huh. Uh, but I don't think it's a power thing either, because yeah, even though Mickey Loomis has been an established general manager for so a longest tenured GM in the NFL, Sean had all the power any coach could ever want. I just think that in Sean Payton's mind, it was time for him to take on a new challenge. I think he needs a quarterback. I think oh, yeah. And let me just tell you, this broadcasting thing, he can talk all about He ain't happy doing what he's doing. I can he promise you. That, that studio stuff where you have uh, five seconds to talk here, then you wait ten minutes and you have five seconds. He, he, he would be much better for himself if he were doing the actual game and he could actually – Yes. analyze and, and be the color analyst of the game. But this studio stuff, psh, that's why Drew Brees got it. He doesn't like that stuff. And and Sean Payton's not very good at it. I'm just telling you, he's just not. I, no, I don't think he's as bad at it as Drew Brees uh, was. Uh, and I agree with you. I think Sean would be an absolute natural in analyzing a game, being a color analyst or being you know a, a, one of a two-headed person in a studio. Uh, but you know, the, the way they – the way they have him, he is very clearly uncomfortable with his role. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. So uh, the Eagles lose. The Colts bring their old quarterback back with a new head coach who's friends of the owner. And those boys played their rear ends off and got the Colts a win. Now they're back home. They're going to pack the place. Can Matt Ryan and Jeff Saturday do it again? No. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, but I'll tell you, I'm rooting for Jeff Saturday because I just I love his enthusiasm. I've I've always thought he's had a great mind for the game. Uh, I'm also rooting for Jeff Saturday because of what Bill Cower said in the CBS pregame. You know, huh? Yeah, he went absolutely off, and you know the way that Jeff Saturday was brought in, absolutely. Te- you know, if he has success and Ursay has success with this hire, that absolutely terrifies all established coaches yep. or coach uh, or wannabe coaches yep. uh, because that changes the entire rule book for this thing. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, he looked like he knew what he was doing. I mean, he's he, a, he played ball. He understands the game. And the main thing is he, he let his coaches coach and he got his team motivated. Yeah. Dennis Allen, do you understand that? They take they are a direct reflection of you. And Dennis Allen, have you ever seen him 
say anything, do anything, show any emotion on the sideline? None. None. I mean, it's pathetic. I'm sorry. It's pathetic. I'm, I'm glad you used the word pathetic. I, yeah, I, I, I've been using it off the air pretty much all year long. Uh, along with some other phrases that, again, if we're going to keep your show PG rated, we can't use yeah, here. We have to do that, Bob. We have. To I know we do. Much. I know we do. We have people <laughs> of all ages uh, listening to this thing. I, absolutely. Cowboys pulled another Cowboys. They uh, they they, <laughs> they figured out a way to let Aaron Rodgers and them come from behind and beat them. And guess what, Cowboys? You got to go to Minnesota Sunday. Good luck with that. They are typical cowboys. Typical. They are typical. They are typical cowboys. And I mean, you know, outside of Barry Switzer, I don't think there's another head coach that makes me scratch my head more than Mike McCarthy when it comes to how did this man ever win a Super Bowl? I was thinking for a minute. Well, Sean Payton, you ain't going to get the Dallas Cowboy job because the Cowboys pretty good. They're six and three. They're two games behind the Eagles. If they lose. <laughs> If they lose to Minnesota, then they got to play the Giants. And the Giants, you can say what you want. Another team, you can say what you want. But they're 7-2. and two. They figure out a way to win. Yep. And the Gi- yeah, Giants keep on winning. Uh, yeah, and we know this about the Cowboys. Yeah, we, we've seen them fire or force coaches out the door before. Uh, yeah, heck, we've seen it after a Super Bowl championship. Uh and, you know, it, but we've also seen them do it after multiple playoff appearances uh, you know, with Jason Garrett, with Wade Phillips. Mike McCarthy is not safe unless he wins a say. I'm not even saying going to wins a Super Bowl. I think the Cowboys are still a, a very much in play for a potential Sean Payton uh, you know, trade yeah. or higher. In the NFC South, they, they have the Bucks turned the corner. They've won two in a row. They're now five and five. They're up to, you know, up to 500. One game lead over the Falcons, two over the God, I can't believe what Panthers and the Saints. Um, Saints can forget about this year. We can talk till we're blue in the face. They ain't doing it. It's not happening. It's over. Have the Bucks uh, sealed up this division in your mind? No, not yet. Uh, but I think that it's certainly trending that way. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay, and I watched a lot of that Seattle game. Tampa Bay is still not a good product on the football field but i think the rest of the division is just so bad that i think ultimately tampa bay's experience and their talent uh is going to ultimately prevail uh and and you figure if the and tampa's already strung together two games uh two wins uh atlanta looks like they're coming back down to earth we don't need to re rehash how putrid the saints have been yeah. In two and three, you know, two or three weeks, when the Saints go to the Buccaneers for that you know, su- uh, Monday night game, Tampa Bay could very well be in a position to clinch the NFC South, even with uh, you know, even with a couple more wins in a row. Yeah, I'm with you. So let's just have fun as we close up. We do. We're going to do this every week now. We've got seven games left on the schedule. Let's just have fun and say win, loss, win, loss, 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 win, loss, whatever it may be. Rams, Saints, win, win. I agree. At the 49ers. <laughs> loss. Loss. At the Bucks. Man, it sickens me. Loss. Loss. Falcons at the Saints. Uh, win. Okay, win. Saints at the Browns. Loss. Loss. Saints at the Eagles. Loss. Panthers at the Saints. You talk about a team that, a game that no television network is going to want to have on it on January the 8th. They, they, will, they will flex that to the Oak Show if they could. Um, so who you got? Uh, 
Saints will win that one. Saints will beat the Panthers. So you think the Saints will win three of their last seven? Okay. Gives them six wins on the year. Not what we thought. No, certainly not. Flip, not. flip that script. I, I honestly thought that script would be flipped. Not what we thought. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, will do it again next week and we'll hopefully be able to gloat that we were both accurate that the Cooper Cupless L.A. Rams came to New Orleans and fell into the abyss. That's Jordy, we've got to be right eventually, right? One of these days. I know we ain't beating the 49ers. I know no. we're not beating the Browns and we're not beating the Eagles. I'm just saying. Sean Watson will be quarterbacking, but it's going to be cold. It's Christmas Eve. Saints, season's done. They don't want to be there. They don't want to play. Goodness gracious. Have a great day. Talk to you next week, my friend. You too, my friend. Have a great week. Thank Uh, you. That that is Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Be sure to tune in Wednesday night from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Maplewood Burgers, lying a bit out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzola, my buddy, will be talking all things Cowboys as the McNeese Coaches Show will be broadcasting from the Maplewood Burgers at 4453 Nelson Road. So tune in Wednesday night starting at 6 for the McNeese Coaches Show right here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Birthday wishes and a big wrap-up when we return to the Jordy Helper Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We'll be right back. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. Finishing touches. Special thanks to our guest, Matthew Bruni, talking LSU football, Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern, and Bob Rose with the Black and Gold Report. Uh, tomorrow, hump day with Huguenin. We'll know that uh, LSU will be the um, sixth-ranked team in the college football playoff poll, and uh, we'll talk all about that and what needs to be done. Uh, the message to the Tigers this week, don't screw it up. We got too much ahead of us. Don't overlook UAB. Let's take care of business early. Get our guys out. Put our other guys in. And let's get ready. Let's get ready for AM and then Georgia. But we got to keep on winning. Yes, indeed. So we'll talk all about that uh, tomorrow. If today is your birthday, November 15th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share it with two former LSU Tigers. One on the football side, a terrific linebacker, Albert Richardson. And on the basketball side, One of my teammates from New Iberia, Tree, Lionel Tree Green. Well, what a teammate. What a guy. James, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners for making it possible each and every day. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until next time, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Uh, Stay healthy. That's the most important thing. Let's be kind to one another. And be happy. So long, everybody.